Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Tom Hale, and we're going to be picking up a topic that we pulled from our discussion forum that was kind of a hot topic for this week, and that is sacrificial anodes. Um, So Tom is uh, definitely an expert in that area, and he's been kind enough to interrupt his cruising for a moment and join us for this, so we appreciate Tom. I do want to take a moment before we start to recognize and thank our Admiral Level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. And with that out of the way, Tom Hale, thank you for joining us again on Great Loop Radio. Thank you, Kim. I'm glad to join you. Today I'm in uh, Fort Edward, New York, returning from doing the Triangle Loop and on my way down to the Atlantic again. Um, Very nice. We'll have to get you to talk about the Triangle Loop next time. Great. Yeah. Um, just real quickly, my background, I, I my dad had a boatyard. I grew up in a boatyard. I owned my own boatyard. I have designed and built quite a few boats, and I spent a long time as the technical director of American Boat and Yacht Council. Now, while I was with American Boat and Yacht Council, one of the many projects I and my team developed was a marine industry corrosion program, seminar training program and marine certification. Um, this week we were discussing uh, anodes and zincs and whatnot on the discussion forum, and I think it's important to sort of step back uh, and realize that this is a very complicated subject, but you don't need to be an expert in it to make the necessary uh, rational decisions for your own boat. Well, and I think that's a good piece of information, mm -hmm. because when the the thread first started up in the forum, it seemed like a straightforward question and something that I don't know a whole lot about. But as it proceeded, I was very interested to see that there was a little bit of a controversy, for lack of a better word, or maybe a little bit of a difference in opinion. And for something that I thought was pretty straightforward, that was kind of surprising to me. So that's why I thought it might be a good idea to cover this as a topic for Great Loop Radio. And I, because you shared those credentials specifically, um, and I know you have an extensive background, um, but because in that thread you shared what you had done in the past regarding corrosion and how that is such an area of expertise for you, you seemed like the ideal guest. So again, I appreciate that. Let's start on the topic um, by talking about corrosion specifically, because it is something that probably is a little bit perplexing to boaters since there are different kinds of corrosion. Um, so let's start by, if you can walk us through the, the three types. Sure. And just for everybody uh, to understand, corrosion, galvanic corrosion, which is where we are going to use anodes, is a very slow process, and it's really not a big worry. There are three basic kinds of corrosion you may see in boating. One is stray current corrosion, which is not a uh, process that can be fixed or addressed with an anode. Another type is crevice corrosion, which is a type of corrosion unique to stainless steel, and again, it cannot be fixed or corrected with an anode. But galvanic corrosion is the very common process by which different metals mixed in an electrolyte will interact and create uh, a, uh, 
voltage and the current that can damage the weaker of the metals. It's very much like a battery. When you have a 12 volt battery, you have a positive and a negative terminal. And if you don't connect the two of them, nothing happens. Uh, the battery just sits there. Once you connect the positive and the negative, then current starts to flow. And what's going on inside the battery is a, a chemical process whereby one metal is being eroded and deposited on the other. And that is precisely what happens in our boats when we have bronze propellers and um, stainless steel trim tabs, uh, a, a stainless steel skeg, and a bow thruster. All of these different metals, even though they may be bronze or they may be stainless, are different alloys of these metals. And therefore, they have a potential to interact with each other. And as soon as they are tied together by a piece of metal, a wire, excuse me, they will start to interact and the weaker one will be corroded away. Again, I, 50 years in the marine industry, I have seen very few cases of severe galvanic corrosion. Um, I've seen some straight current corrosion problems, but that's really not something we can address today or need to worry about. So let's just talk about this galvanic corrosion, okay? Um, Galvanic corrosion is natural. It's very, very slow. The difference in voltage between the different metals in your boat are probably millivolts, thousands of volts. Um, and we need to also uh, be very clear that most people doing a loop are doing it in a fiberglass boat. It's a fiberglass boat which probably has a bronze propeller, stainless steel rudder, stainless steel propeller shaft and some other metals. So that is the principal boat we're going to think about today. There are some differences to think about when you have an aluminum boat. And the simple solution there is talk to the boat builder. I can give you a few pointers, but those boats are relatively rare. Uh, so for the bulk of loopers, let's just talk about fiberglass boats with bronze and stainless steel running gear. Okay. Um, since we know that uh, the bronze propeller is, for instance, attached to a stainless steel shaft, we know that there will be some galvanic uh, corrosion between the two pieces of metal. By putting a sacrificial anode into the mix, tying, making sure it is tied to both of those pieces of metal, it is a much... Uh, electrically much weaker, much l lower on the uh, galvanic scale uh, piece of metal. It's sacrificial and it will be the one metal that gets eroded, gets wasted away, and it will protect both the bronze and the stainless steel and any other metal to which it is connected. And so we have to have an anode, we want to have an anode, and they have to be changed from time to time it's probably every six months or a year you need to change them. Historically, the anodes have been uh, an alloy of zinc. It's not pure zinc. It's a mixture of metals. It's an alloy designed to give a very uh, specific electric poten electrical potential so that it will protect stainless steel and bronze. These uh, have been the standard in for years, 
Uh, and primarily, the issue comes up in salt water because the electrolytes, the salt water is a much stronger electrolyte than fresh water. In fact, in probably most loopers who are just doing the loop, you could spend the freshwater portion of your loop without any anodes and have no negative effect. That being said, you will be spending time in salt water. You will have to have an anode, and the traditional anode in that application has been zinc. So you mentioned zinc, and you know a lot of people use the term boat zincs almost as a, a different term for ano, anodes. Um, and Correct. because I'm an East Coast saltwater boater, we talk about boat sinks. Um, so you mentioned that that's kind of the standard for saltwater application. Um, and, and I haven't been a personal person who has personally shopped for zincs in a while or, or anodes, um, but some of the comments in the forum were that on the East Coast, if you walk into a store, all you can really find are zinc anodes. Um, so that right. really is kind of the standard in this part of the country, but there was some discussion of the other types and some opinions that aluminum is better than zinc at this point for both freshwater and saltwater applications. So can you tell us a yes. little bit about your thoughts on that? Absolutely. First of all, uh, magnesium will be mentioned. It is really only necessary or used for aluminum hulls in freshwater. Very rare application, so we're not even going to go there. Aluminum is a, uh, a better alloy, and again, it's not pure aluminum. It's a specific uh, mil-spec mixture of metals that is actually more negative than um, than zinc, and it's, it was developed so that in freshwater applications, you could get a, uh, a stronger protection. Now, the, uh, it was used, has been used in freshwater for many years, and people began to discover that when boats that lived in salt water, then moved to freshwater and stayed there for a long period, the zinc uh, became coated with an oxide coating and although that didn't necessarily cause any problems while the boat was in fresh water, remember fresh water is much less corrosive than salt water. When the boat went back to salt water, this uh, coating on the on the sacrificial anode made the anode much less effective and offered less protection. So some time ago, I, I don't know how long ago, 10 or 15 years ago, people started see that using aluminum anodes on boats that were going back and forth to fresh water, between salt and fresh water, solved that problem. And then they began to notice that if you used aluminum anodes on a boat in salt water, A, the electrical potential is even better, more protective of the boat. B, the anodes seem to last longer. C, they cost less and D, are probably better for the environment. So for all these reasons, there's been a slow movement to use aluminum anodes on boats in salt water. Now, you mentioned that it, you can't find them in the typical marine store, and you are absolutely right. The reason for that is if you're going to use anodes, whether it's zinc or aluminum, you must use entirely, every anode must be aluminum, or everyone must be zinc. You can't mix them. If you've ever gone into West Marine to buy a screw, 
you open the little drawer and you will find four different sizes of screw in that drawer. Things get mixed up. And if you look at an aluminum anode and a zinc anode, they look very similar. So if they were both being stocked at a marine chandlery, it's very likely you end up with a mixture. Um, and since most people think uh, of anodes as zincs, it's just been much easier for the marine stores to stock one product. And you don't have any problems, <clears throat> particularly if you're just staying in salt water. Now, we uh, we find that we spend about four or five months a year in freshwater, and we did discover this hard uh, calcareous coating uh, on our anodes after a, a long winter in, in freshwater and decided to switch to aluminum a few years ago. Uh, it meant ordering them from uh, BoatZincs.com. Even though it's called Boat Zinc, they have, they have all these different anodes. Um, and we put them on, and lo and behold, we found that they lasted longer. Uh, they were less expensive. Um, and we didn't get this coating on the anode when we went and spent uh, three or four months in fresh water every winter and two or three months in fresh water every summer. Uh, now, so for us, this has worked out very well. And being a, an engineer in the, marine, in the marine field, I understood why it was working. And I've been a little bit careful about promoting it because you have to be consistent. For instance, Kim, about a year and a half ago, we hauled out for annual anode change, and the yard that was doing the work didn't stock aluminum anodes. Um, so I had an order shipped to them. And when we got to their yard, and hauled out, we found out that the order was mixed up aluminum and zinc. So the only thing we could do at that point was switch to all zinc because the yard stocked zinc, go back in the water. And we were able to prove in that instance that yes, the zinc did get this coating on it when we spent all winter in fresh water. Two, uh, the zinc anodes did not last as long as the aluminum anodes did. So now, we make sure that we carry a full set of anodes as a, um, it's like a spare part. You're going to mm -hmm. carry fuel filters. You're going to carry spare belts, impellers. Carry a, a set of uh, aluminum anodes. Mm -hmm. So for Talk us, it's no problem. Uh, we have, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I just got to yeah. say, we have a standing order with BoatZinks.com. I go to their website. It says, oh, I see you're Tom Hale. Here's what you ordered last time. Do you want us to send this again? Boom. Done. That makes it very easy, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. My question about that, Tom, is when you were in the freshwater all winter and noticed this mm -hmm. coating that happened mm -hmm. to the zincs, um, how much were you on the move that winter and how much were you just kind of uh, stationary? Because one of the comments on the forum also suggested that a typical looper pattern of cruising where you're on the move most days, um, doesn't you? You don't have as much of a problem with that buildup on the zincs as you would if the boat was stationary in fresh water. Great question, Kim. Yeah. Great question, and um, the answer is not clear because neither that commentator nor I, both of whom are good friends, have mm -hmm. sat down and been able to actually measure and document it. Um, most winters we are in fresh water for three or four months. 
most winters we do move some, but we do sit some. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in a typical winter, uh, you know, we we will be sitting somewhere for two months, let's say, and then moving and then moving for a couple of months. And in the process, Kim, in our lifestyle, we go from fresh water to salt water to fresh water to salt water to fresh water to salt water to fresh water in a matter of uh, three or four months. And what we have found is, uh, for instance, uh, we hauled out in, in um, April in Solomons, Maryland to change our anodes and found out the anodes were in such good condition we didn't even have to change them. Um, but you could also tell these aluminum anodes were doing their thing because they were they had this gelatinous stuff coming off. They were just they were doing what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for most boaters, I think it's a it's a good solution to go with aluminum all the time. Will the a boat that's moving continually in fresh water get this coating on the zinc? Yes, perhaps, but not as bad maybe as if it sits. But if you use aluminum all the time, you don't have to even think about it. And right. aluminum is a better solution in salt water in that it's got slightly stronger protection than zinc. Right. So I guess the bottom line on, on zinc versus aluminum, Tom, if we have some listeners who have zinc anodes, anodes right now and perhaps just replaced some and don't want to go through and replace everything again, is it accurate for me to say that as long as you are maintaining your boat properly and changing those anodes out about once a year, um, if you're a typical looper and on the move, even if you're going from salt water to fresh water or back or both, as long as you're changing it about once a year, is it typical that zinc or aluminum would be fine in that time period? Actually, you're right, Kim. It would be, as I said at the beginning, the whole corrosion process is so slow that if you are doing the loop and you spend five or six months in fresh water and five or six months in salt water, it it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and use the zinc. Um, okay. If you're going to be, if it's if your lifestyle is going to be fresh water, salt water for many years, I would go with aluminum. My the yard I was the last yard I was running, we were on the southern Chesapeake. We were encouraging customers to switch entirely to aluminum. Uh, some did, some didn't. It's a matter of personal preference. Um, Jim Healy and I would like to sit down sometime and actually test this and and put some numbers to it. But it does appear that the aluminum is a very good solution for full-time cruisers who are going to spend some time in fresh water and some time in salt water, particularly if the boat is going to sit in fresh water. Right. Like anything else, you know, technology and design and engineering changes. Everyone was fine with their zincs for quite a long time, so I don't want anybody to panic and think I have to swap. You know, I just bought a boat and it's got zincs. Um, Thank like you, Kim. Said, You're you can, absolutely you can do the right. Loop. Um, with your zincs and be perfectly fine. But then when you fall in love with the cruising lifestyle and continue to do that, the next time you switch them out, it might be a, a, an option for you to switch to aluminum. We're going to take a quick break and play a message for, with, from one of our sponsors. I always am amazed when we have these kind of technical topics that sound straightforward, how much time we can actually spend discussing the finer points. <laughs> so we don't actually have that much time left. But, Tom, do you think when we come back, do you want to tackle uh, briefly the bond or not to bond question? Yes, absolutely. All set for that. Okay. We will be back in just a moment. Curtis Stokes & Associates is a yacht brokerage company that specializes in great loop capable boats. 
Curtis Stokes is a supporter of AGLCA at the Admiral level. If you're looking to buy or sell a Great Loop veteran from a trusted and knowledgeable broker, visit the company on the web at curtisstokes.net. Email curtisstokes at curtisstokes.net or call 954-684-0218. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Tom Hale. And we have been discussing a pretty popular thread from our users discussion group this week. Um, and the form thread kind of switched towards the end where there was a, a question about bonding. And the immediate reaction from some of our experts was, wow, great question, but to answer that thoroughly is, is reams of information. Um, so with that said, with about six minutes left, Tom, <laughs> we'll give you a <laughs> shot at trying to uh, talk a little bit about bonding. What is that? What problem is it trying to solve? And there's two schools of thought, one not to bond and one to bond. So if you can kind of just give us the highlights of what that discussion is about. Absolutely. Um, bond, there is, there, bond, just as there are several different kinds of corrosion, there's several different reasons for bonding. One is lightning protection. There are some radio uh, reasons to bond, but in the per for the purposes of this discussion, which is galvanic protection, the discussion, the, the, the question is, should you bond, which means to tie a wire, mechanically attach a wire to every seacock and other fitting, so they all are tied together and they're all tied to the zinc and they're all protected by the zinc. Or should you not? Now, just as we had with the battery where it, there's two poles and nothing happens so you connect a wire, if you have a boat, unbonded boat, with five different seacocks and a, a rudder and a and nothing is bonded, then they're not going to interact with each other. If you bond them all together, then the bronze of the bow thruster, which is different from the bronze of the seacock, which is different from the bronze of the propeller, are all going to start interacting unless you have an anode, which is weaker and, and can take, take the hit. Growing up in the marine industry, bonding was very, very uncommon. It has, in the last 15 or 20 years seem to just explode in the boating world and everybody thinks you have to bond to protect your underwater metal. But that really isn't the case. By bonding, you're tying all the metal together and you will probably need more zinc. If you don't bond, bronze seacocks will last forever. There are 2,000-year-old there are bronze statues pulled out of the bottom of the salty Mediterranean by archaeologists. They're just fine. So the, the issue of bonding and not bonding is really, it, it's relatively unimportant in that as, as long as you either unbond everything or bond everything, you're going to be fine. The other little wrinkle is if you have no, nothing bonded, but you have a stainless steel propeller and a bronze rudder, provided you put a zinc there connected to those two pieces of metal, like a shaft collar, it is protecting both of them. And if the shaft is not connected to the rudder, if the shaft is not connected to a seacock, then those pieces of metal are not part of the elect electrical you know, system 
they're not protected, but nor are, do they need protection because they're not part of the, uh, the galvanic couple, if you will, of all these different metals tied together. So it's really a matter of personal preference. ABYC does not have a position one way or the other. They merely say, if you're going to do it, you must do it this way. Now, let me say there is one place, one place where ABYC does require bonding, and that is if you have a metal bilge drain, which is quite common. That will be below the bilge water level in your boat. That must be bonded, okay? Because once it's once it's connected to the bilge water, when then any um, electrical straight current problems inside the boat will go to that fitting. It gets very complicated, but suffice it to say, a seacock inside your boat is not below bilge water. It's below the seawater, but it's not below bilge water. It does not have to be bonded. But any through hull fitting that is connected, that, excuse me, that is inside the boat under the level of the bilge pump, that must be bonded. So a clarification on that, Tom. You had mentioned that if you were going to bond, then everything needed to be bonded. So if you do have that need to bond because of that one standard that says if it's below the bilge water, you should bond, does that mean you then have to bond everything that's no, above the line no. of the bilge water too? No, no, because, because the bonding in this case, and this is why we don't have enough time, is because of potential stray current corrosion. A separate issue. Okay, not not galvanized galvanized corrosion. Not, not galvanic. Okay. No, no. Got it's, it. It's 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 a great story, and that that will be a maybe an article I can do for you guys as to why straight current could be a problem. But straight current corrosion is one that many people have heard of, but it's really rare and very uh, commonly uh, very very much misunderstood. Yeah. And we would appreciate that article, or we can have you back to talk about it in this forum. It's, um, like I said, it's always interesting to me when we get on some of the technical topics that there is just so much ground to cover. And um, as you and I discussed before we started, Tom, it's a fine line to walk between trying to give everybody the information they need and overwhelming them with too much technical detail that might send them astray. So I think you did a great job today, Tom, of walking that line. I really appreciate you joining me. I learned a lot. Um, so thanks for coming back, and we'll, we'll love to have you back again. You're very welcome. I was glad to be involved. Thank you, Kim, anytime. Have a good thanks day. Thanks again, Tom. To our listeners, we'd like to thank you for joining us again this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.